Good morning, Four Oaks Church, or maybe you're not a Four Oaks Church. Maybe you're somewhere across the Fruited Plain, across the, the Great Pond. You're just dipping in and joining us and checking things out. That's awesome as well. I'm Pastor Paul, one of the pastors here at Four Oaks Killarne in Tallahassee, Florida. It is Wednesday morning. Let me check, make, make sure. Yes, Wednesday morning, January 10th, 2024. So glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. And what we do, if you're, if you're new to this, is we track with the sermon series that we're preaching through on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks. And for this season, really actually for the past year, we've been in the, in the gospel of Matthew. And what we do is we spend the prior week to that Sunday sermon um, unpacking the scripture text that we're going to be preaching on together. And one of the reasons that we do that, I mean, just quite honestly, selfishly, it lets me get into the text early in the week. It keeps me fresh, engaged, accountable, um, knowing that I'm going to come in here every morning and talk about the passage for that Sunday is is a great blessing to me, but hopefully it's, it's somewhat of a blessing to you too, because as you see how I approach a passage, how I approach the, the, the art and the science of biblical interpretation, so to speak, that in some way it might be helpful for you as you become a student of the Word of God yourself. In other words, not just simply receiving theological information or biblical content during these times, but getting some tools for yourself that will help you grow in your own personal study of God's Word. That's, that's our aim. So we are in Matthew chapter 14. And let me read the passage that we're camping out on this week. And let's pick it back up where we left off last time. So this is Matthew 14, verse 34. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gesenaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites." Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And he answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the stomach passes into the stomach or goes into the mouth, passes into the stomach and is expelled? 
but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. What we have said over the past couple of days, let me just give the, a quick recap, is that Jesus has just completed his greatest miracle to date, the feeding of the 5,000, and then he walks across the water. And the, the, the people um, who were listening to Jesus and following him and wanting to be healed were having one radically um, we're having one kind of response to him while the religious leaders were having a radically different one. And in the end of 14, the beginning of 15 shows us that contrast. Here, throngs of people um, are gathering around Jesus. They have heard the word that if you just touch his garment, you will be healed. And healings are happening and people's needs are being tended to and ministered towards. But here, lo and behold, um, are the Pharisees showing up and complaining that the disciples have not washed their hands, that they are ritually defiled. And it's just, you heard me use the expression yesterday, um, it's like you're a shepherd and you've protected your sheep, you've provided for your sheep, you've fed them, nurtured them, combed their hair, groomed them, you've protected them from, from animals, you, you've, you've, they're flourishing in every way. But someone comes and criticizes you, the shepherd, because you've got your coat dirty while you were taking care of them. It, it's nonsensical, right? Well, that, that's what the Pharisees are doing. And yesterday, we, we looked at what gotten, what's gotten them in such a tizzy. And it's the fact that the disciples and Jesus um, have been violating the oral traditions of the elders. And we talked a good bit about how this oral tradition or the tradition of the elders that the Pharisees were so intent on upholding and keeping was, was something different than the actual Old Testament scriptures, the Torah, the law, and the prophets. The tradition were the written documents, where they were actually an oral tradition later put into written documents, about how to best observe um, the law of God. And what had happened over time is that this tradition, this oral tradition, had become so voluminous and burdensome that it began to crowd out what the actual word of God said. And so here in this particular um, circumstance, the, in, their, in their zeal, so to speak, for the Pharisees to, to, to maintain ritual purity and the idea that, that to wash one's hands— um, it wasn't just a matter of hygiene, it was a matter of, of, of being clean in an unclean place. It was a way to distinguish themselves from the Gentiles. It was a way to, to keep themselves ritually pure as honor and, and to worship God. Now, honoring and worship, worshiping God was, is obviously incredibly important. And ritual purification um, as part of sacrifices was hugely important, yet what they were advocating for here was something far beyond what the scriptures advocated for. And in their zeal to protect the scriptures, they had lost the true heart and meaning of the scriptures, right? It had blinded them to the actual real needs of people. 
Now, I want to go back to this theme for a second because I want to talk about tradition and what place tradition, I think, can or, or could or should hold in the Christian life and where it becomes an impediment and an obstacle. So, so this is something one of my seminary profs once said, and I, and I think this is a, a good statement, very helpful. He says, tradition is the living faith of the dead. In other words, tradition is the faith we receive from our forefathers that's living and active, and it promotes godliness and carries us towards Christ. That's tradition. He said, traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. In other words, there are some things that we've received from those who've gone before us, whether it's family or church or leaders or history books or whatever, that's, that's wonderful, that gives life. There's other things that we've received that might have been pertinent at the time or might just have been mistakenly sort of assigned a specific theological or holiness value that it should not have been given to begin with. Okay, and, and knowing, of course, the difference in those things is, is a matter of real biblical um, discernment. So let, let, let me give you an example, okay? So, and, and this, is, this is one for, for Christians to consider. All of us have our preferences related to music. Um, not just secular music, of course, but Christian music. More specifically, we all have preferences related to worship music, right? And so, and of course, this is all shaped by your background, denomination, what church you grew up in. But some people um, who were part of a real liturgical background um, uh, that, that really honed in on the creeds and the reverence and the awe of corporately gathered worship, um, and, and have, have really derived much meaning from that. For example, might go into a contemporary church and hear something radically different. They might hear different instruments. They might hear different cadence in the songs. They, there might be a different presentation. There's, there's no choirs. There's people in regular clothes. There's no brass instruments. There's guitars. And what they can deduce then from that, okay, is that the tradition I came from is inherently better. Um, it's, it's more valuable, it's more holy, when in reality, while there's nothing wrong with it necessarily, nothing wrong, I mean, in and of itself, of ritual cleansings before meals, to, to say they, re, they contain a standard of holiness or should be the norm for everybody would be wrong. Same thing for worship styles. By the same token, it works in the other way, right? People from a contemporary uh, background, okay, might go into a really traditional church and its forms of worship and be very critical. Oh, these are the frozen chosen. Oh, this is dead. Oh, this is, and again, that would be a mistake for assigning a particular worship style or presentation, okay, uh, an intrinsic holiness value that the scriptures themselves do not attend to. And this is what Jesus is pointing the people to here. It's not merely externals, right? It's all about the heart, okay? It doesn't mean externals are, are not important, and, and there's, there's the place for those and obedience and those sorts of things, but what we're really getting at here is that 
it is God who looks upon the heart. And what is Jesus's accusation? Okay, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And one of the ways this was happening is that in a quest to uphold certain traditions, they would end up violating or neglecting um, the law of God. And we, we talked about the example of Korban or gifts offered to God. The clear revealed word of scripture is provide for your parents. However, um, one of the ways the Pharisees would get around this is they would take a vow or a, or a vow of Korban and say, well, this, this money that I was going to give to my parents, I've actually dedicated that to God, so that's off limits. When in reality, what they've attempted to do is not honor God, but dishonor their parents. So their tradition has led them to be disobedient to the clear commands of God's word. Another example, um, um, some of you all have seen the, the, the movie released in the last year, the, the, the Jesus Revolution. And, and it's the story of Calvary Chapel and, and Chuck Smith. And there's a particular scene where all of these Jesus people, hippies and freaks and otherwise, are coming in to this pristine worship center. And all the established church members are appalled because hippies are coming in in bare feet and they smell and they dress in different clothes and they're violating the traditions of the church. And this becomes such a thing that many of them leave the church. Many of them shun um, the, the hippies. And when in reality, okay, they were upholding or grabbing hold of a tradition that was leading them to neglect the clear word of God, which was what? Love your neighbor. Share the gospel. Open wide the doors of the church to those who are seeking Jesus. That's a clear command, right? Things about worship styles and clothes and shoes and all. Again, not that those things don't have their place, but they're not primary. And again, this is what Jesus is pointing us to here. And so it's always helpful to begin to think about what are the things in my life that I might have assigned a particular spiritual value that goes beyond Scripture. And in doing so, when I impose that upon someone or look down judgmentally on someone because of that, am, am, I, am, I, am I neglecting the call God's given me to actually love them? Okay, and, and, and for some, it's worship styles. Others, it's uh, certain forms of media or, or the way that, or the, or the style of the church building that we worship in, or what school you send your kids to, or what kind of foods um, you're going to eat. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. It's endless. And again, having convictions in all those areas is good. It's fine. However, when we elevate them to a level of requirement, when we take a principle and enshrine it as a practice, when it falls outside of Scripture or Scripture, or scripture doesn't speak clearly to it, then we're always running the danger of obscuring the Word of God by the traditions of men. Sometimes it's hard to know the difference, right? Which is why we need community, which is why we need the church, which is why we need accountability, which is why we have to gather together and come together and have spiritual leaders and people who walk alongside of us to help us discern these things. Okay, now next time, we have two days left this week, Thursday and Friday, 
and we're going to focus on verses 10 through 20 in the next two days, where Jesus is going to do a little um, excursus on the nature of the heart, okay? He's just said, your hearts are far from God, Pharisees. You esteem tradition over the word of God. Now Jesus is going to talk about the nature of the heart, and what we can learn from this, um, I think, will give us wisdom as we navigate the dynamics of our own souls as we try to understand what's going on under or in our hearts um, as we seek to walk faithfully before God. So that's where we're going to be tomorrow. I hope to see them. Lord, I'm, I know we all run the risk of obscuring your clear word with our man-made traditions. Help us to be able to discern the difference. Help us to repent. Help us to walk faithfully with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See everybody.